Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I am Michael Kingswood, retired naval officer, Christian, dad, and writer extraordinaire. I mostly focus on science fiction and fantasy, but I've been known to write just about everything under the sun, including the occasional romance. The purpose of this podcast is to share my stories with you, the reading slash listening public. So sit back and relax, because I'm going to tell you a story. Hi friends, it's Michael Kingswood and it's story time and I've been gone for a while. Um, it's been an interesting month of September for me around here. Uh, getting doing a lot of work, getting a lot of things done and it seems like every week <laughs> it's like, do I write or do I do the podcast? The Wibbo test always applied. Would I be better off writing? And so I defaulted to that i hope you won't mind because without more writing there won't be more podcast uh but anyway uh various reasons i haven't been around much this month and i left you kind of stuck in the middle of the necromancer's lair which is unacceptable i know so we're gonna finish up that story here now and then next week we'll move on to the next fun story and i will be uh continuing <laughs> with story time and more regularity for at least a couple weeks uh, second half of october i'm not going to be doing this because i'm going to be off sailing and i'll tell you more about that on the other end between now and then why don't we finish up this story that i've been teasing you with for the last you know, several weeks now uh, this is the final part of the necromancer's lair written by me read by me and it's awesome. Enjoy. The door swung open immediately, revealing a plush office. Plush was probably not the right word to use to describe the room beyond the door, but it was the only one that sprung into Gareth's mind. The room was circular, about the same size as the cell room on the level below, and probably located directly above it. It was well lit by a number of gilded stand lamps, though the lamps were not burning any sort of visible fuel, leaving the question of what was producing the light unanswered. The floor was stone, but covered in thick red rugs that were lined in thread of gold tassels. A trio of full bookshelves were spaced equidistantly around the perimeter, and there was another wood and iron door directly across from the entrance. In the center, facing the open door, was a long desk that was constructed out of dark reddish wood and polished until it gleamed. A quill and ink lay to one side, opposite a stack of papers, but aside from that, the desk was clear. A pair of chairs, simple but obviously high quality, and padded, were arranged before the desk to receive visitors, no doubt. The necromancer sat at the desk. He was garbed as before, and appeared completely at ease as he regarded Gareth and Heatherly over steepled fingers. Gareth stood rooted to the spot for a moment in surprise. Of all the ways he thought to meet the necromancer again, this was not one of them. The moment stretched. Then the necromancer broke the silence by slowly clapping his hands together. Well done, gentlemen. I am impressed. He gestured toward the empty chairs. Will you sit? I'm certain your leg must be paining you by now. Gareth, taken aback, remained silent as he hobbled into the room. After all that had happened, this was all the necromancer had to say? Amazing. And even more amazing, he looked as though he was genuinely concerned about Gareth's comfort. 
Gareth made a mental note to use this man as a comparison for any actors he ever watched perform in the future. He was good. I prefer to stand, he said in reply. The necromancer shrugged. As you wish. May I offer you and your man some wine to take the edge off? Thank you, no, Gareth said quickly, seeing Hatherley licking his lips with poorly suppressed eagerness. He had seen the former sage in a wine bottle enough to recognize that weakness and nip it in the bud quickly. Again, the necromancer shrugged. He took a moment to open one of the drawers in his desk and remove a wine bottle and a simple but obviously well-made goblet. He poured the wine, and the faintest hint of its aroma wafted across to Gareth's nose. Oh my, to smell that good from this far away, it must have been a heavenly vintage. His thirst, growing all the more intense by the second, especially now that he could see drinkable fluid so close by, screamed at him to just have a drink. What could it hurt? It took a force of will to not renege on the refusal, but he managed. Somehow. The necromancer smelled the wine with closed eyes and a serene smile on his lips. Then he lifted the goblet to his lips and sipped. Enjoyment seemed to flow through him. When he opened his eyes, they twinkled with an inner light that they did not have before. I fear we've gotten off on the wrong foot, the necromancer said. Gareth snorted. Says the man who locked us in a cage and then ordered my friend's corpse to kill us. Can't see how that could have gone right. The necromancer raised one eyebrow as he fixed Gareth with a contemptuous gaze. You broke into my house with the intent to kill me. How would you respond to that, hmm? His words sunk in, and Gareth had to admit he had a valid point. Still, it's not like the necromancer was some peace-loving fellow who just sat around minding his business all day. He was, well, a necromancer. Those sorts of people were just a menace. He was clearly waiting for Gareth to respond. Gareth obliged him with a noncommittal shrug, but said nothing. There was not much to say, and besides, his leg was beginning to ache. Bad. Gareth was half afraid if he spoke too much, his discomfort would show through, and though the necromancer knew he was probably in some measure of discomfort, it would not do for Gareth to give him a more accurate estimation of his condition. After a short moment of silence, the necromancer, too, shrugged. No matter, I suppose. He took another sip from his goblet. What do you hope to accomplish here? Gareth was taken aback. This was not going at all the way he had envisioned. Attacking monsters, parrying blows, taking down foes, those things he could deal with and expected on a job like this. Reasoned discourse? That was another matter altogether. Just looking to collect a bounty, he said, in as straightforward a tone as he could manage. The necromancer smirked. It's all about the money, isn't it? Sipping his wine again, he looked amused more than anything else. So you have no interest in rooting out my evil? His voice dripped sarcasm as he said that. Or of righting whatever wrongs I have committed? Well, there is that too, now that you get to it. The necromancer was silent for a moment, then burst out laughing. It sounded genuine, and was disturbingly human, not at all the maniacal laugh one would expect from the depraved and evil. Ah, my friend, he said after his laughter subsided, you are droll. Which is something I can very much appreciate, I assure you. Gareth did not respond. Beside him, Hatherley shifted on his feet, his expression one of distaste. The necromancer noted this, and the amusement faded from his features. Your man does not approve of me, but then he clearly is not as practical as you. 
Gareth could almost hear Hatherley's teeth grinding, and for a moment he thought he would have to restrain the former sage from doing something rash. But in the end, Hatherley restrained himself, even schooling his expression to one of stoic readiness. Though knowing him as well as he did, Gareth could tell he was more than a little peeved. What would you say if I were to tell you I understand your friend's disapproval, and your lord's as well? I bow to no lord. The necromancer snorted. Tell yourself that if you wish, but we both know the truth. He set the goblet down on his desk and leaned forward. He clasped his hands together and regarded Gareth with an earnest expression. If I were in their shoes, or yours for that matter, I expect I would disapprove of me as well. His eyes narrowed, his stare becoming severe, piercing. But they do not know the facts. If they did, they would sing my praises, not set trifling bounties on my head. Gareth snorted again. Five hundred crowns was far from trifling. With that much money, he could buy himself some property, settle down, and give up the life of a wandering sellsword. Sell axe. Whatever. Not that he would. He knew himself well enough to admit he enjoyed the work, most times. But still, it would be possible. You don't believe me? Gareth blinked in confusion. It took a second to realize the necromancer misunderstood his snort. Although, truth be told, now that he considered it, he truly did not believe the various priests and lords, let alone the rest of the people out there, would change their views on the necromancer any time soon. Can't say I do, he said, honestly. What if I told you that all this... The necromancer waved his hand, including the entire room, the entire tower in his statement, existed for one purpose only. His eyes flashed with something. Passion? Reverence? Insanity? I believe I am close to discovering a way to defeat death. Beg pardon? Death is the price all men pay, my friend. But does it have to be? What if there are a way to eliminate death completely? The necromancer's pace of speech increased, his tone becoming more impassioned, excited. How much suffering, how many crimes have the root in the fear of death? How much better could humanity be if that weight were lifted from its shoulders? He grinned. It was an unnatural-looking smile, the upward curving of his lips revealing his gleaming white teeth and making him look almost like a carnival freak. I am almost there. I only need a short time more, and I will have it. The answer to every man's desire. Gareth had to work to suppress a shudder. The man was insane. He had to be. Right off the top of his head, Gareth could think of half a dozen terrible consequences of a discovery like that, if it was even possible which he seriously doubted. So what, you want me to go back and tell Lord Hadley to just leave you alone? I don't think he will buy that. The necromancer's smile faded, becoming, instead, a frown of annoyance. I have no faith in his ability to reason. Though you could assist me in another way. Here it was. Gareth flexed his fingers on the grip of his axe, willing his muscles to relax into readiness. And how is that exactly? You are clearly very capable. None have made it as far as you, into my realm, or defeated so many of my servants. I could use a man like you at my side, watching my back, managing my forces. He was joking, right? Gareth opened his mouth to retort, but the necromancer beat him to it. Unfortunately, said the necromancer, with a malicious grin that was, if possible, even worse than his earlier one, you are of no use to me alive. He made a little flick of his left hand and Gareth heard a sharp click from behind him. He turned to see that the doorway he had entered through had changed. Before it opened onto a landing, now it led into a large room that was empty, 
except for a number of columns running down its length, and a horde of animated corpses. Gareth should not have been surprised. What else could he expect from a man such as the Necromancer? All the same, he could not deny that the man's genteel demeanor had lulled him into lowering his guard. So, when the first pair of corpses stormed through the door and reached toward him and Heatherly, Gareth stood rooted to the spot in shock. Goodbye, my friends, the Necromancer said from behind. If it comforts you at all, I am very confident your passing will help me make great progress toward my goal. Did he really expect Gareth to find that notion appealing? Who knows, you may end up being the key to the entire experiment. Another click from behind. Gareth looked back quickly, in time to see the latch on the door on the other side of the room lowering into place. The necromancer was gone. Then the corpse was on him. Dead fingers clawed through the air toward his face. Reflexes honed through years of training saved him on the first pass as he turned his body away, placing his right shoulder and the shield strapped to his arm closest to his attacker. The claws struck the shield and scraped harmlessly down it, though the sound they caused as they did so made his hair stand on end. There was no time for subtlety. He lunged forward, ignoring the screams of protest from his injured calf, and brought his axe down straight atop the corpse's head. It split open like a melon, and the corpse instantly stopped, falling to the floor at Gareth's feet in a heap and spilling gray matter. It was surprisingly fluid and rank. The poor fellow must not have died the first time all that long ago, all over the floor. Beside him, Hatherley was hard-pressed. His wounds were not as bad as Gareth's had been, but he did not have the advantage of Gareth's years of training. What he knew of the sword and combat was what Gareth and his various acquaintances had taught him. The corpse was more nimble than the last couple Hatherley had faced, easily dodging a riposte from the slender man and responding with a bull rush attack that knocked him to the floor. Hatherley's expression when Gareth's axe took the corpse's head from its shoulders was a classic blend of relief and revulsion. And small wonder, Gareth would not have enjoyed being splattered with corpse fluids either. Gareth helped Hatherley to his feet as best he could, but was drawn up short by the renewed pain in his leg. He glanced down and saw that his pants bore fresh bloodstains. He could feel fluid seeping into his boot. One or more of the stitches must have pulled. Damn it. Thank you, my lord, Hatherley began, but then there was no more time for talk as another pair of corpses entered the room. Those were more easily dispatched. The men were not surprised this time, and both corpses were older, more brittle, and less quick. Still, it was obvious from the multitude still approaching the door that they would be overwhelmed sooner or later. Another pair of corpses shouldered their way through the door, and Gareth lurched forward to intercept them. Hatherly, the door! Hatherly nodded and ducked to the side. The corpse nearest him turned to follow, but Gareth leapt to place himself ahead of the monster. Or rather, he tried to. His right leg, already pressed beyond what would have been prudent, picked that moment to fail him completely. Gareth fell hard, taking a painful bump on his cheek as his face struck the floor. Above the pain, he felt a surge of despair. He missed his chance, and the animated corpse was going to get Hatherley before he could get the door shut. And then they were going to be overwhelmed and overrun. Then something struck him on the side, and an instant later he felt a weight land on his back. Whatever it was thrashed around in its stank of decay. The corpse. It must have tripped over him and fallen. Hardly believing his luck, Gareth squirmed and pushed with all his might, trying to get out from beneath the undead thing before it realized what it had fallen upon and choked the life out of him. Fortunately, being reanimated did not seem to convey intellect very well, at least with this corpse. Gareth tried not to think about how quick Ranulf had seemed. 
and Gareth managed to get some distance from the thing with just a very little struggle. He pushed himself to his knees to find the corpse also rising. His axe ended that, severing the thing's desiccated left leg at the knee. It flopped onto the floor. Gareth would have sworn it was surprised by that turn of events, if he was not so sure it had no mind to be surprised with. It surprised if it existed was momentary, though, before Gareth's axe split its head in two. Gareth was just beginning to feel good about himself and their chances when something grabbed him by the back of his breastplate, lifted him off his knees, and threw him into one of the bookshelves. The impact was incredible. He struck it with his already injured shoulder, sending a surge of pain through him that was so intense he could only see red for what felt like an eternity. He did not feel himself striking the floor, or anything at all for that matter, except for that pain. Somewhere in his mind a voice screamed at him to get up, to move, to do something, because if he did not he was dead. But that voice was faint, easily ignored beneath the screaming agony that washed over him. Had the end come right then, he would have welcomed it without hesitation. But somehow it did not. Sometime later, he had no idea how long, his vision cleared and the pain faded so that he could process other things. At first, all he could see was a blur, but after blinking a few times, he was able to make out a face staring down at him. Hathaly's face. The manservant looked like hell. He had a deep cut running across his forehead and down the right side of his face toward his ear. It had bled intensely, coating his face with a sheen of red that at first made Gareth think he was a devil of some sort. But devils never wear expressions of concern that melt away into joyous smiles when the object of their attention woke. Or whatever the right term was for what Gareth did when he came back to his senses. Are you well, my lord? Gareth barked out a bitter laugh. Or at least he hoped it was a laugh. It was hard to tell. Do I look well? Hatherly shook his head and helped Gareth to his feet. As he stood up, he very nearly collapsed again when his wounded leg felt even a small amount of weight. He looked around. The door to the room full of animated corpses was shut, but it shuddered periodically as something, no, several somethings, pounded on it from the other side. The corpse Gareth had done for lay where he expected. The other, the one that had thrown him across the room, was slumped against the desk. The blade of Hatherley's sword was stuck into its eye and protruded from the back of its skull. Only the blade. Gareth blinked. Hatherley was not strong enough to make that strong a thrust. What happened? Atherley shrugged. I got the door shut as it, he nodded toward the impaled corpse, through you. I tried to distract it, but it was so strong. The slender man paused, swallowing. It left on me and impaled itself onto my sword somehow, but it did not stop immediately. I tried to pull the sword out, but he gestured toward the ground near the desk, where the pommel of his sword lay. The blade was sheared off, near the crosspiece. Cold anger burned inside Gareth as he considered everything that had happened to them over the last few hours. Or was it days? Let's go, Hatherley. I'm going to go kill that bastard. Hatherley nodded. Let me check your leg first, my lord. Gareth hated to take the time, but the shuddering door seemed solid enough, at least for the moment, and Hatherley was right. He had burst at least one stitch, and he would not be able to fight, well, if he was losing blood. A few moments later... Gareth shouldered his way through the door the necromancer had disappeared through, ready to deal out some punishment. Gareth did not truly expect to find the necromancer on the other side of the door. More likely it would lead to another corridor with confusing twists and turns and more riddles to solve. 
or even better, to some magical trap that would burn he and Heatherly alive while the necromancer watched and laughed. So when he forced his way through the portal and found himself in a well-appointed bedchamber, and the necromancer bent over a small chest of drawers next to the four-poster bed that dominated the room, he found himself stopping in complete surprise. Which meant he was at best half as surprised as the necromancer from the look on the skinny man's face. What? said the necromancer. How? His eyes flicked from Gareth to the door to Hatherley and back to the door. Were you expecting someone else? asked Gareth as he stalked, limped really, and calling it limping was being charitable toward him. He swung his axe slowly back and forth at his side, and he knew he had a murderous expression on his face. An expression he had practiced long and hard, one that had struck fear into strong men on many occasions before this. The necromancer was not a strong man, at least not physically. But, credit where credit's due, if he felt fear, he never let it service. Actually, yes. Sorry to disappoint. Gareth reached the corner of the bed and rounded it, grabbing the corner post with his right hand to steady himself as he did so. The necromancer was almost within reach. Gareth should have known better. The necromancer smirked slightly, then inclined his head toward Gareth. I did not think you would be able to fight off my servants, given their numbers. Not in your condition. And they say wizards are smart. Gareth could not even try to keep the scorn, the derision from his tone. No point in showing respect to a man whose brains you were about to splatter all over his fine rug. Oh, we are. The necromancer snapped his fingers, and everything went black. He was not dead. That was a surprise, actually. Gareth had heard wizards could kill easily with their magic. Presumably, necromancers, as attuned to death as they were, would be particularly adept at it. But when several seconds passed and he found he could hear his heart pounding in his ears, smell the faint odor of the freshly re-killed corpses in the adjoining room, feel the sweat beating on his brow, Gareth was certain that he still lived. But for how long? He realized he had dropped into a combat crouch, his reflexes responding to the changing condition even as his mind struggled to make sense of it. His injured leg screamed at him. The crouch was pulling on his stitches again. He could feel them about to give way, but he pushed away the impulse to straighten, instead forcing himself to move forward, toward where he last saw the necromancer. Something passed over his head, causing a slight breeze that ruffled his hair. Behind him, he heard a surprise-sounding grunt, then a long, slow sigh followed by a limp thump. That could only have been Hatherly hitting the floor. Gareth clenched his teeth in anger and turned toward the sound, raising his axe in preparation for a swing. He may not be able to see the necromancer, but he could damn well hear him. He was not going to get away without tasting the bite of Gareth's axe. Or at least that was the plan. Suddenly, something snatched the axe out of his hand. For a moment, he was holding it in readiness, not in a death grip, but hardly loosely by any means. The next, the axe was gone, plucked from his hand before he could even think to resist, and with a strength that would have been irresistible regardless. Gareth had only a heartbeat to wonder what happened before he felt a vice take hold of his throat and lift him off his feet. Shock, pain, and sudden loss of breath all worked in unison to confuse him. It took longer than it should have to realize that the vice was in fact a hand. Thin, skeletal fingers wrapping around his throat with a strength Gareth never imagined possible. Panicked horror surged through him. It was another of those walking corpses. Then a voice spoke in the darkness, its source mere inches in front of his face from the stirring of the air. You fool, it said in a tone dripping contempt, 
You actually thought you could defeat me? A half laugh, half snort punctuated the words. Now it is you who are defeated, and I gain a new pair of servants. The necromancer, it was the necromancer speaking, and who had hold of Gareth's throat. Why had it taken so long to recognize his voice? Gareth's heart pounded all the louder. He began seeing flashes of light in the darkness, and his lungs cried out as though ready to burst. He had to get out of the necromancer's grip. Had to breathe. But Philanelia's hand was like beating on a tree trunk for all the result it did in getting the man to remove his hand from around Gareth's throat. Amazing that so scrawny a fellow could harbor such strength. The necromancer laughed again in amusement. Gareth imagined he could see, somewhere behind the flashes of light, the other man's lips turned upward in a mocking sneer. It was not an image he wanted as his last. He tried to struggle more to strike the necromancer with the edge of his shield, but his right arm would not move. It was too heavy. Hell, his free arm felt like it was made of lead. He could definitely see the necromancer now. Whatever he had done to get rid of the light had faded. Or then again, maybe not. The edges of Gareth's vision contained only darkness, which was slowly spreading toward the center. After a moment, he realized when the darkness spread fully, it would all be over, and he felt another surge of fear. Fear turned to terror when the thought passed ever so slowly through his head that it might not all be over then. Would he be aware of himself, of his status, once the necromancer turned him into one of his undead servants? He had to escape. He raised his arm, leaden as it was, to punch the necromancer in the face. But the blow fell well short of its mark, and his hand dropped limply down until his hand fell onto something on Gareth's belt. The necromancer's sneer grew more gleeful. Soon, my friend, he said in a tone that was nearly a purr. The growing darkness had eclipsed the room, its furniture, hatherly lying face down on the floor, everything except for the necromancer's face. It could not end like this. Gareth tried to clench his fist for one last attack, but for some reason his fist would not close. Something prevented his fingers from reaching his palm. Something round, hard, something cold. The pommel of his dagger where it was sheathed on his belt. Final desperation gave strength to his fingers as Gareth clutched the dagger's grip and withdrew it from its sheath. The necromancer's eyes flicked downward as he noticed Gareth's movement. They went wide, the sneer leaving his face to replace by an expression of shocked disbelief as Gareth plunged the blade into his chest. He was definitely dead this time. He had to be. All he saw was darkness. All he felt was cold. But then, once again, the light slowly returned, revealing the bedchamber's ceiling. Gareth had to consider that maybe his assumption had been wrong at that point. He blinked, focusing in on a hand that was reaching down toward him, and then followed the hand up to its owner. Hatherley was crouched by his side. He still had that nasty gash across his forehead, but now the other half of his face was bruising up as well. Somehow the unbruised half of his face was ashen beneath all that blood, as though he was deathly afraid. Small wonder that, despite all that, however, he somehow managed to look ready for action. A lot better than Gareth felt. Gareth took Hatherley's hand, and the manservant pulled him to his feet. There he had to stand still for a long moment, leaning against the former sage for support to avoid falling again as the world spun around him. Finally it settled down, and he examined his surroundings. The bedchamber looked the same as it had, but the necromancer was nowhere to be seen. Blood stained the stone floor where he had been, or where Gareth thought he had been, but that was all. 
What happened, he asked. Hatherly shrugged. When I came to, you were unconscious, my lord, and our foe had vanished. He held up his free hand and was carrying Gareth's bloodstained dagger. This was lying on the floor. Gareth nodded and took the dagger back, cleaning it on his pants leg before resheathing it. He hit you on the head. It was not a question, but Hatherly nodded anyway. In the darkness, my lord, I heard him coming, but he was too fast, and he left off talking, sounding embarrassed. Gareth snorted. You got the better of both of us, Hatherly. Don't beat yourself up. He took a hesitant step toward the pool of blood. When he did not immediately fall over, he took another, then crouched down next to it, ignoring the protest from his leg again. I can't imagine he could not have killed us with magic. Why didn't he? Why fisticuffs? He said aloud, glancing over his shoulder toward Hatherly. Hatherly shook his head. I concur, my lord. He swallowed. Hard. The color was slowly beginning to return to the unbruised portion of his face. Of course, killing magic takes some preparation. Likely, he had not planned on using those sorts of spells when he set out his plan for the day, or he just figured his minions would do the job well enough. Or he really does like me. Hatherly looked at him askance. I suppose that is... possible... So where did he go? There was only one other exit besides the one leading to the office, an iron-reinforced door that swung open easily at Gareth's touch. Beyond the door were stairs leading straight downward until it reached a landing some thirty feet below. Unlike the previous corridors, however, this stairwell was illuminated by natural sunlight that streamed in through periodic windows on the left wall and through a stained glass design inlaid above the door on the landing. That can't be the exit can it? It was too easy. Hatherly made no reply, but the hopeful expression on his face said it all. Gareth sighed. The necromancer was gone, and frankly, Gareth had no desire to figure out where he had gone to. For whatever reason, it looked as though there would be no payoff on this one. Lord Hadley had been quite clear on that point. No body, no bounty. A great thump, much louder than any of the previous, reverberated into the bedchamber from the office. Hatherly looked back and blanched. The door is almost off its hinges. I'm not sure what hit it, but he left the rest unsaid. Let's get out of here. Gareth hated to leave with nothing to show for his expedition, but that was how it was. He turned back toward the stairway out, but stopped halfway there. Well, I'll be. Resting atop the chest of drawers that the necromancer had been rifling through was a good-sized strong box. Gareth stepped over to it and found himself grinning. Maybe his luck was about to change. He forced the lock and flung the box open, and his grin grew even wider. Gold always made him smile. Grab that, will you, Hatherly? He would not be able to carry it, wounded as he was. And besides, what was the point of having a manservant if not to have him lug things around? Hatherly sighed. As he picked up the strong box, he spoke in a tone of resignation with perhaps a bit of irritation beneath. I am sworn to carry your burdens, he said. Gareth shook his head in amusement. He took a moment to pull flint and steel out of his belt pouch, then struck a light a few pieces of paper he found in the chest of drawers. He set the burning pages beneath the bed, and soon the bed was beginning to burn as well. With luck, maybe the entire place would go up. At the very least, it would slow down their pursuers. Looks like we get to live to fight another day, he said. Then he turned and hobbled down the stairs. Hatherly followed. Okay, so Gareth and Hatherly live to fight another day and get some gold. 
but no body to bring back for more gold in the title. Oh, well. Also, yay, they live. And they were victorious. Kind of, maybe, sort of. And, uh, eh, Gareth didn't really want that title anyway, right? So it's all good. So, hey, all's well that ends well. Hope you enjoyed that story. Now, what has been going on in the Kingswood abode uh, since last I talked to you several weeks ago? Well, doing a bunch of writing. And I've also been working to uh, fulfill the uh, promises that I made with the 52 stories in 2023 Kickstarter campaign, which ended about a month ago when <laughs> Jesus is it that long since I did one of these podcasts. Yeah, it kind of is. So I suck anyway. Uh, but look, here's the book. It's out. It's ready to go. This, this means it's a proof copy. It's getting sent out to the backers here in the next couple of days, and it will be released on Monday, October 1st, to the public at large. So if you didn't back the campaign, you got to go and get it. You can get it from michaelkingswood.com slash store or through the various and sundry retail channels. To get there, you would go to michaelkingswood.com slash books to read. That would get you to the universal book link aggregator that shows you where all my stories are and all the various bookstores around the world and it doesn't always update immediately because i have to go and mainly do it but it's probably a 90 percent solution of all the places you could find my stuff so that's a good place to go that said another way to get it if you didn't back the campaign for volume three was to is to back the campaign for Volume 4, which starts on Tuesday, October 3rd. Um, yeah, because I've uh, completed 40 stories now, more than 40, and I've kind of lost count. Uh, so that means we have enough for Volume 4 of the 52 stories in 2023 project, so we're kickstarting it. Uh, and so if you go to mikekingswood.com slash 52in23v4, that would be V4 as in Volume 4, That'll get you to the Kickstarter page where you can back it. You can't back it until Tuesday. So between now and then, you can follow the page and get notified when it launches. Also, you can stay here on the channel because as before, I have uh, I intend to do a live stream to kick off the campaign and periodic live streams to um, give updates just to because it's fun and to hopefully shed a little more light on the campaign so people who didn't necessarily see it may see it through the live stream and then go back it right profit it's a good thing that said i'm not gonna be able to do this the entire month on the 18th of october i am flying out of town i'm going to dc for my for my high school union and then i am going to meet my buddy down in norfolk virginia and we are going to engage on a two-week trip to bring his sailboat from Norfolk down to Charleston, South Carolina. I did that with my own sailboats uh, several years back, and it was a great time. And he missed out. He wasn't able to come with me on his, that journey, and he's always been annoyed that he didn't get to make it. Now I get to come and help him make his journey, so it's going to be great. Uh, but for you know the last couple weeks of October, I'll probably get one of these videos out um, that first weekend, October 20th, the Saturday. But after that, for the next two weeks after that, I'm going to be on a sailboat doing stuff. I will still be writing, but videoing, I don't know. Um, 
I may do some streams from the boat if I can figure out how to do streaming from my phone. And they just upload some videos and stuff. But so be prepared. There won't be a bunch of stories for the second half of October, which means Kingswood, you're doing a new story next week. That's right, I am. So the one I'm going to pick is either going to be one that can be fixed, can be done in two weeks, or I will do two short stories that will be done one week each. Haven't decided yet, but we're going to do it. So that's what's going on. Apologize for not being up on the podcast thing the last few weeks. Um, I don't have an excuse. I have reason. It's just life, real life getting in the way and just prioritization of what's most important. And for me in this writing thing, the writing is more important than the podcast, which I hope you can appreciate. Um, if more people bought my books and more people shared that my books were out there and told their other friends to buy their books and had more steady income from the books, I could have spent less time during the week doing other cash flow things and more time doing this. And then it would be easier <laughs> to, to do the, everything writing related and podcast related on a regular basis. As it is, I do the best I can. I apologize. I'm going to continue to do the best I can, and hopefully you'll stick with me. Um, so, yeah, that's about it. Uh, those of you who have been back in the campaign so far this year, thanks very much. I appreciate it, and I hope that you uh, love the stories. Check it out. It's getting to be thick. And it's going to end up being thicker than stories from The Great Challenge because... It's going to end up being five volumes with the front and back matter. And I think maybe, I should, maybe I'll do a overall word count comparison between the two once it's all done for the year, maybe. But that might not be fair, and I'll tell you why at the end of the year. Uh, but anyway, I'm not sure I was going with that. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your patience uh, on this podcast. Please go check out the new campaign. Back it. Tell your friends about it. Go my books. You know where to get them. I've told you before. Coming straight to my store at michaelkingswood.com slash store gets better profit for me. But obviously, I put everything out on every retailer because whatever's best for you. Because I love you. I want you to be happy. The way I make you happy is by writing cool stories and letting you buy them and send me money. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Uh, speaking of sending me money, I'm going to be starting a couple of... Uh, different endeavors here to increase the grift. And I'll tell you about next week because I haven't yet, don't have them set up yet. Uh, but that's what it is. Anyway, I'm going to let you go. I hope you like this story. If you did, make sure you like this channel. If you're watching the videos, subscribe. If you're not, if you haven't already, if you're listening to the podcast, if you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe. If you haven't left a review yet, leave a review saying how awesome the podcast is. You know, the usual stuff. I'll see you next week. Actually, I'll see you Tuesday for the uh, Kickstarter campaign kickoff. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. For information on all my books, visit michaelkingswood.com or visit my web store at ssnstorytelling.com. My books are all available through all the various e-tailers, but buying direct from me nuts me the most profit. 
For information on new releases and other special deals in the future, sign up for my newsletter on my website. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyright of Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music is copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved.